You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell. I'm Dave Griffiths. Joe Hopkins here on the board as well, making sure that we sound as clear as ever. And That's a tough job sometimes. It is, especially with me rambling on and on. But uh, we have plenty to talk about today, recapping week one. Uh, thrilling start but ultimately a disappointing one for the Colts losing in overtime to the Chargers looking forward to the AFC South opener next week visiting Nashville taking on the Tennessee Titans but uh, we're going to start today with a little bit of news of the day of the morning that is a list of 120 plus modern day candidates is out for the Pro Football Hall of Fame and among the uh, 11 or so Colts on that list uh, of course, headlined by Reggie Wayne and Edron James. There is no more great authority on Colts deserving the Hall of Fame or Colts chances at the Hall of Fame than our own Mike Chappell, who is a Hall of Fame voter in and of himself. So, uh, Mike, your thoughts when you see this list? Obviously, it's Edge and Reggie who who lead the pack among the Colts. Yeah, it's, it's like eight or nine serious Colts. I mean, we're talking Edger and Reggie and Bob Sanders and uh, Dallas Clark, uh, Jeff Saturday. But the, the one, you know, this hopefully this is Edge's year. It's he he's been a finalist three of the last four years. He made final ten last year, which is a major boost. And it's in South Florida, which is his home ground. So I keep telling people, can you only imagine the party he would throw huh. if we get him in? But it's again, it's 122 modern era candidates and. There are 48 of us, the voters. We will pare that down to 25 in November and then to 15 in January and then come February 1st in Miami or wherever it is, South Florida, we'll vote on a class of five. So hopefully this is a year there's no running back in front of Ed Jern and he's deserving and we'll see. We, we talked about this over uh, the summer and I guess last spring as well about Edge's Hall of Fame chances because he was one of those finalists right. that was taking steps forward and this year you mentioned there, there's no specific running back in front of him and it's not such a great class that had this year guys like Champ Bailey, Tony Gonzalez guys we knew were going to be first uh, first ballot there were, Hall th- there were three first ballot guys last year I believe it was. Yeah. Two first ballot guys and then a third corner which really kind of deep sixth edge and this year the only to me the only sure first ballot guy or first time eligible first ballot guy is probably troy palomalo mm-hmm. so maybe this is the year we'll see so edger and james perhaps reggie wayne in his first year of eligibility we've seen wide receivers not get in on their first year recently it just seems oh, like marvin harrison exactly third it's, time it would be a tall task it seems for reggie to make the hall of fame in in this vote perhaps in the future and mike if there's one thing that that reggie can point to or you can point to i guess if you're making a case for reggie him in the postseason was electric and that is when money is made that is when champions are made and there were few wide receivers better in his time than reggie wayne in the postseason you know it's jerry rice and then maybe uh, it's either welker or edelman as far as numbers but reggie was there every game he, he had a 200 yard game against denver uh but his numbers it's, it's all about your body of work and some guys have great postseason some guys have great preseason or uh, regular seasons he's got it all mm-hmm. he played 13 14 years so uh, you've got some receivers ahead of him. You've got uh, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt. We can argue those guys all you want. The problem is in a few years you're going to have Calvin Johnson. You're going to have you know, Larry Fitzgerald in five or six years. Whenever he He's kind of like Adam Vinatieri. He's got to quit playing first. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, it, but it's, it's good to see that these Colts of the 2000s always getting their names up. And you want to get in that room of 15 so you can be discussed and – you know, next year in 2021, it'll be Peyton Manning. I think he'll make it. I think I think he's got a very good chance. But uh, it, it, again, it's the, the the perception is wrongly is it was Peyton Manning. Well, no, it was Peyton Manning and a bunch of other really really good players, Hall of Fame players. Marvin. It took Marvin Harrison three years to get in, and uh, I just I was baffled that the that that our room put Andre Reed and Tim Brown in before Marvin. I mean, just come on. So we'll see, but. Edgern, it, you know it, what it, I think about Marvin Harrison, uh, but that's that's a that's a Syracuse thing. Yeah, buddy. But so so we're going to get James Mungro in. Is that what yeah, we're of course. Too? Yeah, bring in James <laughs> so, Mungro. But it, again, I, I think Edgern's a guy we've talked about. We won't belabor this, but I think nationally he's looked as just a really good player. I know he was a really great player, and his numbers support that. So we'll see. Joe, did you have something to say? I saw you put. Perked uh, up there. Yeah, I was just going to give you the stat here. Reggie Wayne is fifth all-time in postseason receiving 
postseason receiving behind Jerry Rice, Julian Edelman, Michael Irvin, and Cliff Branch. Is that catchers or yards? Yards. Look at the catches. Yeah, well, I think catches. The catches he's like, he might be fifth. third. Yeah. Like, like Mike said, I mean, you got Jerry Rice, obviously, there, and whoever it is, Edelman or well, I think it's Edelman, just because he's had so many opportunities because right. the Patriots have been in the playoffs for, I don't know, 15 straight years, it seems like, maybe right. more than that. I don't know, Joe. You're correct. Reggie Wayne is third behind Rice and Edelman. Um, behind him is Heinz Ward. And Heinz Ward is on the list this year, and I, I just mm-hmm. don't see he gets enough traction. But, again, again Reggie's got, got, the, he's got everything that you want. He's got the ring. He's got a touchdown. Remember the touchdown in the Super Bowl? So he's got... His resume, I could argue, it, it's more complete than Edge because Reggie's got the ring. But I'm still, I'm still, you know, when I'm ranking Colts that need to get in, Edge first and Reggie would be second. And we'll discuss this plenty more. You said November is when they cut Correct. things down. Cut, cut to twenty five. So we'll cut. To that, that's when we. That's when we start getting serious. We get the Jake Deloms and Jeff Hostetler yeah, off the list. None and, of them. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's pivot to uh, Week One. Finally, we had meaningful NFL football. The Colts. Made it interesting at the end of the game, that's for sure, uh, but ultimately did not get the ball back in overtime. Lost 30-24. First of all, I'll say I like the college football overtime better, something in that aspect. I think if the NFL would implement something that both teams would get the ball, that it wouldn't be from the 25-yard line in like college. Maybe they went move it back to midfield or something, or heck, give it to them on your, your own 20-yard line, see what you can do, but... Nevertheless, it's an offensive and defensive and special teams game. It's three phases. Coach, talk about it for a reason. So, hey, if your offense didn't touch the ball, your defense didn't do its job. And that's what the defense really was saying in the locker room this week, Mike. And Darius Leonard in particular was really tough on himself. Said he graded as an F. He deserved an F. Instead of taking himself out. Exactly. And he honestly, the way he played, you look at it and he deserved it. So he's well, if. If Darius Leonard plays well with the chip on his shoulder like he did last year, he certainly got one now after week one. And that, that's what you want. This defense is about accountability. And go back and look at the big the, the, the screen pass that should have been 15 yards and was 55. It's because he he whiffed on a tackle. Blew it. Completely Probably blew it. Probably because he's going for the strip sack instead or the strip fumble instead of the uh, tackle. But great players always respond. And that, that could pivot us into what we're going to talk around briefly, or not maybe so briefly, but – uh, Joe's whipping boy, mm-hmm. Adam Vinatieri. Uh, Joe wants to be right, and Joe Joe has proven right this past weekend, weren't you? I've not said anything to you guys about this. About <laughs> no, he has. To be so. honest, Joe has not. Like this is us that keep bringing it up. We like to poke <laughs> fun at him, but nevertheless, uh, it was perhaps Adam Vinatieri's worst game as a pro. Certainly, if you look at his last two meaningful games, the playoff game last year and the opener this year, his worst back-to-back games as a pro. One for two extra points, one for three field goals, missed a 29-yard field goal. In Where if, he, if he kicks that, if he makes that, then the, the drive at the end of the game wins it. Right, and, and, and we're not even talking about the overtime, which I brought up earlier, so... Um, Adam did speak with the media today in the locker room. Mike, you were there. What was that discussion like? It started off kind of quiet, and you know, we're moving on. We're we've moved past that. We're looking to Tennessee, and I had a bad day. And you know, the best way to go about it is, is you, you know, get back get back on the practice field and work at it. And then it's breaking down. And I, I I just needed to ask a question, and and, and, I, and I I asked it the wrong way. I said, "Are you kicking for your job?" Mm-hmm. And he sort of. Because he got a little PO'd, mm-hmm. where he said, "You guys can write what you want to write. I've been through this before." And and uh, so I said, "You seem to be embracing this." He said, "24 years, bub." <laughs> so he he wasn't happy, and I understand that. Again, and we have to ask difficult questions to players. Mildly, if I go back, I would have given his his 24 24 year career more respect than to say you're kicking for your job. Mm-hmm. You know, do, they, do you still have the trust in the building? Whatever. But I'm telling you, this guy is determined to not have another bad game. And and you just sort of hope that's the case because when all the things that went wrong in that game, if he makes any of these kicks, the Colts are 1-0 and and, and you, you've got a big step against the Chargers. And that's the, 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 the pressure of being a kicker is you're, you're only out there four or five times. And your margin of error is almost none. But if if the, the team has shown total support, I mean Frank Reich has been, hey, this guy's a, the greatest kicker of all time, and and there's no question. And he said it's not that he was, he is. So we'll see. Uh, but you have to, from our point, you've got to look. What happens if if it happens again? 
Mm-hmm. So knowing the way the Colts are internally with Chris Ballard, don't you just know that on Monday they didn't have kickers come in for tryouts, but don't you think that they had a discussion? If this happens again, then what? He's got to have a list. You've got you've got Plan B. You always that, that's what GMs do. Yeah, he's got a list in case Frank Reich walks away. That's just what you do. That's, that's not that's no disrespect to Vinatieri. He, he just has it right. And if if so, the question is if Vinatieri has another bad game, which he he could have a, a great game and point to the media and say, "How hey, do you like me now? How do you like me now?" That's right, Toby Keith. That's right. So, but if he doesn't, then how how long? Do you stick with the greatest kicker of all time, who, for whatever reason, injury, which Vinatieri says no. He was bothered with something in he, training camp. He had a, he had a, uh, a knee inflammation, and mm-hmm. I think it was his left knee in training camp. But he said, that's, he said it was tendonitis or something, but I think that's over. But if this persists, how long do you stay with him? You only, you only play 16 games. This isn't a, uh, a member of the Cincinnati Reds going through a 10-game stretch where you just can't hit. Well, I'll, I'll get it fixed for over the last 152 games. No, you, you play 16 games, and how long do you stick with him? I, you know, it very well may be that he'll get this thing fixed, and this will be a blip on the map. And again, he'll thumb his nose at us, or you have a problem. And you know, th- this is a twofold problem. The first issue is is getting rid of Vinatieri, which would be awful on so many levels. But then, then who? Yeah, that's, um, that's I mean, the problem. Who, who, do you, who are you going to bring in? Chris Ballard can have a list in his drawer somewhere. That doesn't mean it's a good right. list. You know, the Jets just re- uh, signed Sam Fickens. Is that his name? I don't know. Well, there you go. <laughs> that's my point. They've had four kickers since training camp. Uh, Cody Parkey, I mean, Kai For- Forbath, who? And so you, on so many levels, you, you just hope this thing gets turned around. And I guess on a personal level, you, you hope for Vinatieri because this guy – he he, de- he deserves a benefit of the doubt, and uh, again, there, there's no better like Frank Reich said. There's nobody no, nobody stronger mentally than him. But when sometimes when kickers lose it, not lose it for for a career, but when you have that little blip, it's hard to get out of it, and and you're, it costs your team. And some good kickers never get out of that blip, and that's what makes a 24 Adam 24 year Adam Vinatieri career all the more remarkable. I think back just a couple years ago to to the kid that Tampa Bay drafted in the second round, which you can say bad things about about Roberto Aguayo out of Florida State. I covered him when I lived in Tallahassee, and as a freshman at Florida State, he was the best kicker in the country, and he won the Lou Groza Award as a freshman at Florida State, and they won the national championship. I think he went something like 25 or 26, missed only one field goal that year, and I swear, like even 50, 55 yarders, everything was boom, right down Broadway. Like, it was remarkable what that kid did. And then he comes to the league, and completely mentally loses it, has all the physical talent to be successful, and now he's not on a team anywhere. And it's a mental issue. And that's what you alluded to, Mike, saying that there's no one, no kicker tougher than Andam Vinatieri mentally. And he really showed that to to you and to the media right. really in the locker room, just his defiant attitude toward this problem. That if think if you're a Colts fan, that's that's encouraging to see how he is responding to this. He's not just kind of lying back in the corner of the locker room and being hey, yeah, boy, I hope I'm better next exactly. week. Exactly. That, that that's not in that's not in his DNA. He he appears to be fighting this with all everything that he can muster in his brain. And if he has a twenty four year career, that what he can muster seems to be quite a lot. I remember a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, the Packers with Mason Crosby went through an awful stretch where yes. he missed three or four like in a row, maybe three in a game. And, and one of them would have been a game winner, right. I think, during that. It, it wasn't the nine point game. Right. Like they would but, but have won. They, but they were thinking, okay, is it time to move on? They stuck with him and, and he came out of it. And he's still with them. Yep. It, it's just that's the one position. This is, again, it's, it's an aberration because you're talking about Vinatieri. But teams have, if there's one position a team wants to change, like they change their socks, it's place kicker because you just have such a low tolerance level. But again, can you imagine if. I was going to say this is a worst-case scenario, but we, we went through that with Andrew Luck retiring. Yeah, that's the worst-case so th- th- scenario. So th- this is part two. But let's just say that you move on and you bring in whomever, Cole Hedlund, let's just say anybody's name, and then he struggles. So you, every week you're going to have tryouts. So they're, 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 I think this guy, again, he deserves the benefit of the doubt. I wish I would have asked a better question or the question better, Adam, if you're listening. But still – they need him to get this turned around because you, you're, these one possession games 
they're just you just have to come up with these these points because it is so difficult against good teams to just kind of have twenty seven to ten games. It's not going to be that way. And really, in total, with Adam Vinteri's missed kicks and a penalty called on Danico Autry for unnecessary roughness on a field goal that eventually turned into a Chargers touchdown, the Colts left 11 points well, on the field. I say 14 because uh, Rigoberto Sanchez had a uh, deflected punt that turned into a field goal, so that's 14. Yep, there you go, 14 points that were the result of uh, poor or subpar special teams play. We talked about the defense kind of being subpar. There were a couple of bright spots on the defense, Mike, that they were able to get four sacks. I mean, that's certainly, if you're in the offseason talking about how many sacks can you get against the Chargers week one, four would be a pretty good number. And, and the fifth one was raced by Justin Houston's offside. There you go. There should have been five, perhaps, almost five. And then Malik Hooker made perhaps the best defensive play of the weekend. And that's, I, that's just crazy. I've talked before about how much I love great safety play, and I, I love watching Malik Hooker play. And that that is a Pro Bowl caliber play because sometimes it's tough to gauge like which safety you know deserves a spot in the Pro Bowl. Eventually, that's the first thing I thought of when I saw that play. Like that's something that you can put on your resume right away and say, "Hey, maybe if nobody throws at you the rest of the season because they don't want to throw the ball your way, you can say that's what I do when the ball's thrown my way." It was funny because someone asked Philip Rivers, "Well." Did you not see him? He said, no, I saw him. I didn't think he could get there in time. Which, And again, it was just, to watch the play, it was so effortless. And it was just, I'll just do one hand. It wasn't, let's try yeah, to no get, problem. Right. And he didn't really try to bring the other hand up to secure it. He just, he just snatched it and took off and got 20-some yards. Th- those are plays that uh, you want. You, I remember when, when, they, when they drafted Hooker in 2016. I believe so. And Pagano, no, it was in seventeen. Because they seventeen, eighteen, nine. Yeah, this is his third year. Because yeah, you're that, right. that's when Pagano referred to him as the second coming of Ed Reed. Yeah, Chris Ballard and Chris that. Ballard quit very quickly said, "Look, wait a minute." But th- this is what you want your center fielder free safety to do: erase mistakes or or, or make the great plays. And that that was that that was a keeper. Offensive side of the ball, Jacoby Brissett, uh, twenty-one of twenty-seven, one hundred ninety yards. Certainly not prolific, but. Uh, efficient in that for sure two touchdowns as well including the game tying one on that final drive of the fourth quarter um let's see ty hilton a good target for him eight catches 87 yards and both of those touchdowns uh marlon mack probably the star on the offensive side of the ball mike 25 carries it's very rare we see a colts back with 25 carries and uh marlon mack got all of those for 174 yards seven yards per carry the most for any player with 15 or more carries in the uh league this week so marlon came out and was spectacular really week one and Frank Reich has said all offseason they want to run the ball more. Certainly looked like they were committed to that uh, against the Chargers in the second half in particular when, hey, they're still behind, but they ran the ball. 173 rushing yards, I think, in the second half is what it was. I went back and looked at at, uh, Marlon Mack. He's had 15 or he's had 15 more or more carries six times, I believe it is, eight times. 19 for 126, 25 for 132. 27 for 139, 25 for 119, 25 for 174, 24 for 148. So I don't think you want to give him a steady dose of 25 carries. But when he gets it, he he's the kind of guy, and Frank Reich sort of said, I don't want to compare him to the guy I'm going to mention, and he mentioned Barry Sanders, where Sanders could have 11 carries for 27 yards. And at the end of the game, he's got you know 20 for 180 because they're, they're really, really good backs are going to have four, three, minus one, zero, seven, and then they have 63 and 25. So that's what Mac brings. And, you know, then the next question is going to be, can he, can you get 16 games out of him? We'll see. Backs get hurt. They, they just simply do. But in the second question is, are we going to see this every week? Are they going to be 50-50 run pass? I doubt it just because of the way this team is built, but, you run for 200 yards. I think I, the stat I looked at, I haven't got my com- complete numbers. They 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 had been 20 and one since 1984 with 200 yards rushing. It's for the, this is only the second time in, in the Colts history, Indy history, they've lost. I like their chances a lot more winning with 200 yards than, than losing with 200 yards. Here's my point about this, and we've talked about it throughout the preseason. Well, really after Andrew Luck uh, retired specifically. Um, the question was, is this offense going to be the same? 
And uh, some people have said, I believe even you, Mike, were kind of alongside saying, hey, they still need to push it downfield a couple weeks ago. And, and I was making more of the point that it's going to be a little bit more dink and dunk, maybe a little bit more tight that's ends. Was. I was wrong about the tight ends, that's for sure. And tight ends weren't used all that much, but it was certainly a much different looking offense than we have seen that Andrew Luck uh, engineered uh, last year under this Frank Reich system. I thought it, it remains to be seen at just if that's going to continue through the following weeks, like you said, but a 25 yard, a 25 carry for 174 yard back. I don't know if Andrew Luck's ever had that support during his no. career. I don't, yeah, I, I didn't think so. And if T Y Hilton never had eight catches for Andrew Luck, he was probably getting 170 yards. He was not getting 87 yards. So they, they did not push the ball down the field against the chargers, whether that was by design or not fine. But right now, after one week, I'm going to call out guys like Eric Ebron who said, what's different? about Andrew well, Luck. There, right. There's something different in this offense, for sure. And I think everybody, I think every sane person outside of the Colts locker room would realize that something's going to be different, but just wanted to pound that point home, that this is not going to be the exact same offense, even though, quote-unquote, they're the same plays that are in the playbook. Jacob Brissett's not running the same stuff that Andrew Luck is. It's not going to look the same. There's going to be a different Colts offense this year than there was last year. They were relatively successful at it week one against a pretty good Chargers team, just couldn't close it out at the end. At some point, you're going to have to push the ball somewhat down the field. I agree. Because when when, when you start dinking and dunking, and again, twenty was it 27 passes? 190 yards? Yeah, 27 passes, 190 yards. When you do that, the teams are just going to start crowding the line of scrimmage. Mm -hmm. And you bring the safety down, it's going to make it more difficult for the running game to get going. But uh, I think there – and again, three penalties. Was there one in them on the offense? It was was the special teams. I'm not sure there was – you're going to have penalties on the – you're going to have things go wrong on offense to where you can't be so – you get out of schedule. You're right. second, third, third, and sixteen. Well, you can just game manage all the yeah. way down the field. And, and so I, I do think at some point they're going to have to stretch the field, and that's sort of what T.Y. does, maybe Deion Kane. You know, I, I, losing Devin Funches I don't think impacts that much. He was more of a possession possession guy. But at some point, you've got to take shots down the field just to keep people honest. And maybe the fact that uh, if, if people start crowding, then, then you can exploit them crowding the line of scrimmage. But – no, you, you you were right, and, and, and as much as they wanted to say that nothing's going to change, th- th- this was almost Andrew Luck coming back from the shoulder injury where they were dinking and dunking. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe it was just this game, we'll see, but at some point they need to take some shots down the field just to loosen things up. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they keep dinking and dunking against other teams because one might think part of that might be the Chargers' pass rush, arguably the best in the league. They didn't want to open Brissett up on week one in his first start with as the guy to that kind of uh, assault there. But it'll be interesting to see going forward. Another thing I wanted to mention, we had talked about the penalty that gave the Chargers a chance to go down and score that touchdown. The league came back and said that penalty should not have been called. Against Sorry. Autry, yeah. Sorry about that, guys. We screwed up. Yep. That was kind of an odd one. I had never seen that. I know you can't jump over the line, but they said you can't even touch the snapper while his That's, head is down? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's protection for the snapper, but he's, he's totally – vulnerable in that position. So, no, they've, they've made that guy sort of – same with uh, on, on punts. That's why Luke Rhodes is normally the first one down the field yep. on, on coverage. Just, you, you just can't pile drive that guy. Yeah, I thought another interesting call we were talking about Ebron is his no-catch in the end zone. Personally, I thought that was the correct call, but it was kind of up in the air for a lot of people. What did you guys think of that one? <laughs> Eric said himself in the locker room that he's not he's not a guy to complain about calls anyway, and he didn't sound as he was talking about it like he was particularly upset about it. So I'm going to go with with Ebron in that case. If if Eric thought he caught the ball, he would have let it known um, somehow in our conversation, I believe, on Wednesday. And, and he never he never let that uh, let that idea slip. So I, I I don't think it was a catch. And what he said was he's going to do things differently from now on. He's not going to go to the ground like he did in that. Play. Was that a great throw though? Oh, holy smokes. But yeah, the the ball came loose. I mean, he, it was it didn't never touch the ground, but it, he didn't have complete control, so sometimes you don't know what a catch is anymore. I thought it was probably the right call. Suffice yes, sufficient officiating yeah. in week 1, they might not be on everything just like the players might be a little rusty too. Well, let's take a look forward now to week 2. The Colts will open AFC South play visiting Nashville taking on the Tennessee Titans who uh, in all phases of the game, destroyed the Cleveland Browns week one, 43-13. to 
uh, it was a embarrassment for the Browns, who had I so en- much hype. I enjoyed that. Didn't you? I did. Uh-huh. If I don't want to see Bill Belichick get smothered, the Browns and, and their, their bragging, it was kind of cool to see. Any, t- any team that goes out and treats the offseason like, fantasy football quote unquote i'm i'm always hesitant to crown them i think the browns like this year vegas had the over under for nine and a half for them nine and a half wins i'm not a betting man but i would have bet my mortgage on the under for nine and a half for the browns i just don't think they're going to make it make that much heck who knows maybe we'll come back at the end of the season i'll be completely wrong you, you, but said, you said crown them did you see the delaney walker quote yes i did where he said they are who, they are we, who thought we thought they, they were, were. And if you yeah. want to crown them and all that stuff yep pretty good delaney not mincing words and um he's channeling his inner denny green anytime i see a team like that like i go back and being from philadelphia myself i go back to that philadelphia eagles team that signed all those players in one offseason vince young exactly green. vince young was one yeah you got you know i wasn't gonna bring that up but gosh that just brings up so many horrible memories the vince young saying dream team i think they went eight and eight that year and it was the beginning of the end for andy reed and I could go. I could go on and on about that team, but I, I I shouldn't. But it's just it's hard to mix so many different personalities. Baker Mayfield is, I think, a great leader. Even being a young kid, um, he has his hands full right now. To and everybody else in that locker room has their hands full to try to come together and form a team out of. And some out guys of all these have players. their wrists full with 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 a with a what's the brand of watch that is? I'm not. That's beyond me. A two hundred thousand dollar watch, really? OBJ. <sighs> Hey, he said he's going to continue wearing it too, so they must be paying him more than the fine. He's getting fined. That's hilarious. <laughs> like if somebody's paying you more than the fine, hey, here's a ten thousand dollar fine. Well, I'm getting a hundred thousand dollars for for advertisement. So, so, so who cares? But the Titans, uh, specifically looking at them, I guess rather than uh, the Browns, but uh, their their defense was great. Obviously, limiting the Browns to thirteen points. They had five sacks, three interceptions. Their free agent acquisition on the defensive line, Cameron Wake, was great. Two and a half sacks for him. Of course, the Browns' offensive line is not exactly all that impressive, and it hurts that your left tackle was ejected for kicking a dude too. So, uh, not many things going in the Browns' favor. Everything going in the Titans' favor. There, their offense was clicking. Anything stand out to you in particular about uh, the Titans, Mike, from that Week One performance against the Browns? Just, just as they took advantage of a very undisciplined team. What Clemson yeah. had was it the eighteen, 18 penalties, penalties for one hundred and seventy some yards, whatever it was. You're not going to be Zionsville, as Chuck that, Pagano that, would say. Right. There. So no, again, it comes back to making the Titans make plays. I'm still not sold on Mariota. What was he sacked uh, four Three times? Four, t- four times, yeah. Then Taylor Luans is out still with the suspension. Mm-hmm. Uh, Delaney Walker, is, he's a major player. He really is. So it's still going to be like a conservative type offense, but if you let Derrick Henry get going, he is a big play guy. And we one thing we saw with with uh, the Chargers is they really hurt the Colts with some of these screens. Now the one the touchdown by Eckler was was by the Colts. We talked about that Darius Leonard. Just that, that was on the Colts more. It should have been a fifteen yard gain. But as Leonard said, teams, this is a copycat league, and when they see what might be a weakness. They'll exploit it. So you, you can expect the Titans to try to test the Colts with these screens and maybe use their aggressiveness against them. I, I think the Titans' defense is exactly what we saw in Week 1. They're, they're a great defense. They're one of the top five, top ten units in the league. Mike Vrabel has them clicking. They can attack the quarterback. They can stop the run. They can, with three interceptions, they can ball hawk in the secondary. They don't have a lot of huge names on the defensive side of the ball, except maybe Cameron Wake, the guy they brought in. Um, Brian Arakpo there is a player that some people might know. Jonathan Cyprin's pretty darn good free safety himself. Um, but I, I, the offense, I'm not sold on 43 points being something that you can expect from the Titans throughout the rest of this season. I think that the uh, if you're looking across the NFL, the Ravens have a much better chance of being a surprisingly good offensive team than the Titans have to be a surprisingly good offensive team because, A, like you said, Mike, I'm not totally sold on Marcus Mariota still. Uh, and... Their, their plays, again, they had a lot of players, uh, their long plays against the Browns were a lot of catch and runs. A.J. Brown, three catches, 100 yards. There were some catch and runs. It was the Derrick Henry screen to go 75 yards. Mariota's still not pushing the ball down the field himself either. Um, that probably has something to do with their lack of pre- pass protection. Exactly, for sure. And, and this guy, he, he has trouble. Now, the, the only thing that's different this year to me is if, if he gets roughed up and they, and they go to the backup, it, it's Tannehill. And he he is a legitimate starter. He's not Blaine Gabbard, who they had no. last year, or, or, or the Jake Lockers, or people like that. So 
that that could be a factor. But again, this is a, a team that the Colts have handled for the member Reggie Reggie Wayne talking at the draft about I never lost to these guys in my career or whatever mm-hmm. it was, and and the, the crowd booed, but Reggie had scoreboard. Yep. So he was uh, right. The problem is Andrew Luck. I think he was unbeaten, maybe unbeaten against eleven and zero. Right. In his so career and I don't believe Titans. he's playing. He's not playing this week, correct? Not by my count. So so we'll see. Uh, again, I just think at some point you have to. Do, do you bet that streaks continue or streaks end? This team doesn't. You know, this team's the old one and zero, one and zero every week. So I want to see how they respond. As long as Brissett does what he did, as long as he doesn't get hammered in the pocket and this offensive line's too good as long as he makes the good throws to, to think that Marlon Mack's going to run for 174 against this team is that's not going to happen no that would be foolish but uh, again I, I just like the way this offense plays I did go back and look at the, the the game that put the Colts in the playoffs last year in Tennessee Marlon was 25 for 119 okay so you know that's was that five yards of carry yeah so that that's what you want and I really think they're going to try to keep this somewhat balanced. You know, the, the, the fact that they ran more than they threw—that's not going to happen very often. But Frank wants to be a, Frank, and I've got a gentleman's bet for like lunch <laughs> on top five. And right now, I'm trying to put my money back because I may be paying him on this. But he wants to run the football. He just thinks that's the way to make things work over the long haul. If they can get Marlon Mack 18 to 20 carries, one thing I'd like to see him do, and I was surprised is that when they went to the second back, it was Naheem Hines. Mm-hmm. And I told three carries for 11 yards or four for 11, whatever it was. Let's I, see. I, I wrote it down here. I don't understand why Wilkins wasn't that guy. Although what you don't want is when Wilkins is in there, for the most part, it's going to be a run. Hines does give the defense some question on what they're doing. What was his yards? Hines had 17 yards on eight total touches. But how, how much rushing? See, that's the thing is I just don't think he had much rushing uh, success rushing the ball. And they need. I think he was better rushing than receiving. Mm-hmm. I believe he had like four catches for four yards, um, which has always kind of been my knock on Hines is he can catch it, but he doesn't do a lot with it. Rushing, he had four attempts for 13 yards. Yeah, mm-hmm. you want more than that. But when Matt gets 25 carries, there's not going to be a lot to go around. But I just, I'm surprised that Wilkins was only, he had like 15 special teams plays, not on offense. But far be it for me to question. Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni. Yeah, I think especially against the Tennessee Titans defense that it's very different than the Chargers defense, which is which is a fairly good defense across the NFL too. But what how Frank Reich has talked about the I think it's Frank Reich, maybe it was Nick Sirianni that talked about the difference this way is that like the Chargers, you basically knew what they were going to run. Right. They, they line up, they play their quote unquote base coverage all the time. And you just have to beat it. Like they play it really well. Right. That's why they're able to do it and do it consistently and not change it up so much. The Titans change it up every play. Oh, like, Frank, the, okay. the Rolodex where they said they just they go to the next play and the next play and the next play. Mm-hmm. So if if you're Jacoby Brissett, you're going up to the line of scrimmage. You're not you're not knowing what is going to what the defense is going to show you. Hopefully, you can discern that by looking at their pre-snap movement and positioning. But nevertheless he and the entire Colts offense are going to have to be mentally on their toes against this Titans defense because it is notoriously one to change things up and try to confuse the offense that way and just make sure that the offense is thinking just as much as it is playing. And against the Chargers, again, it's not quite as much thinking how you're going to attack it. It's just it's more execution. Against the Titans, you have to think just as well as you execute. Well, and maybe, too, after running the ball, 30, what the Colts run, 33 times, whatever it was. Uh, that would help tremendously and, and, against and, a defense but, like but that. But again, having said that, maybe they come out and they try to spread things out a little bit. You, you've still got all these, you've still got seven or eight viable options on offense. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they come out and they try to, you know, establish a run by establishing a pass first. I, I, I just, all those years of watching the Patriots, where you just you know what they're they're, they're going to run the ball because well then they, they spread you out and, and throw it and then you think they're going to throw it and then they they come come in tight and they run it so I think Frank's got a lot of that anymore he's he's not if you think you've got a handle on what they're going to do he'll show you that you don't uh, I I still think the strength of this team is the passing game with the T Ys and we didn't see what Ebron have one catch 
I believe so. And, and the one and one dropped almost one and, and Jack Doyle had maybe a couple had, catches. I thought Jack only had one again for like that twenty yard play down the sideline. Yeah, Jack Ebron and mm. Moali Cox each had one reception. And, and that's that's not gonna it's just not gonna maintain that way. So, yeah. but I think that's the strength of this offense is what you see one week, and you say, okay, this is what they did. Well, you may see something totally different the next week. Uh, I agree. I, I think you have to be multiple. In, in this league. And I think what was cool about T.Y., 8 for 87, mm-hmm. and he had the two red zone touchdowns, and they were about as different as you can be. One that was just schemed for him. They ran Jack Doyle out into the flats, and, and T.Y. came under it for the, was it a one-yard touchdown? And then the 19-yarder was just T.Y. <laughs> it was like a three-yard, five-yard uh, crossing pattern, and he put a couple moves on guys. And, I, I again, I have to say, and I – I'll fall on my sword here. As I always considered T.Y. a very good receiver, but over the last year, year, a year in a game, he, he's convinced me that he's really an elite receiver. Mm-hmm. Now, top 10, I, we can place him wherever in the top 10, but what he did in December last year in January and this game here, uh, I, I think he's really elevated his game. So if we're looking at Colts-Titans for this weekend, a game that will be broadcast on CBS4, what – exactly would your key to the game be for for either team for I'll, I'll start with mine so you can think a little bit because i think that i think that the one key if more so than anything else is trying to um is putting pressure on mariota and in spite of the titans probably being more of a run oriented team i think that getting in mariota's face is going to be a key or the key really to victory because i'm not totally sold on derrick henry he had a bunch of huge games last year against a Giants team that had quit and a Jaguars team that had quit. Um, and early on in the season, it's a lot easier to tackle a 240-pound dude than it is at the end of the year. So um, I, I I just think that the Colts will be able to stop Derrick Henry a little bit better than maybe some people might think. So so to me, it's and, and the Colts, Colts have had success at this in the past, is getting to Mariota and putting him on his back. And, and um, knocking him out of the game. Exactly. And and not having to face him in the second half or the entire game, it seems like, in the past. So I think being in Mariota's face all game long and hopefully getting a repeat of your four-sack performance last week, if not doing better, uh, would be the one thing to look out for to, I guess, be a sign of success for the Colts this weekend. And I expect that to happen. I think this, I was very encouraged by the Colts' pass rush. The exterior, you know, with Kamiko Ture, really. We hadn't even mentioned him He's, yet. I tell you, I, you, they talk about players making that big jump year, year one, year two. I really was impressed. Again, he had the one sack, should have had another one. We can argue whether Justin Houston was offside. Justin Houston gets one, and you're going to see Danico Autry more and more. And, and So I really think they're going to get steady pressure. So I, I would go on the fact, I'd, I'd go on the other side, protect Brissett. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I think this offensive line—they gave up a sack, first series, I think it was, Ingram or Bose. That one of them got a sack. Got it, past Glowinski. Right, Glowinski got beaten, and Braden Smith got beaten on another one. Yeah. But I think this this if if they can keep Brissett sort of clean, we'll use I use that phrase in memory of recognition of Howard Mudd, who's no longer with it mm. with the team. He's no longer with, with us. Yeah, no longer with the he's, team. Let's be he's, specific he's, here. He's, he's he's still around out yes. in Seattle now. But I think if they can keep Brissett relatively clean, let him do what he wants to do, let him run the ball, I, I this offense is going to do its job. I really believe that. And then, again, I expect that the uh, defense to pressure Mariota, and I think he will make mistakes. He just will. So we're, we're both in the protection on each side of the ball. To me, this game comes down to big plays. We kind of talked about it on offense and defense. Um, the defense for the Colts last week gave up eight plays of 20 yards or more. For reference, last season, the Colts gave up 3.2 per game plays of 20 yards or more. So that that was terrible on that end. And we saw that's how Tennessee beat Cleveland. You saw the 75-yard screen pass for Derrick Henry. You saw A.J. Brown make big plays. And then we talked about the Colts being more aggressive, pushing the ball down the field. T.Y. Hilton's made all kinds of big plays on this Tennessee defense. Um Deion Kane is a little more adept at getting down the field than uh, Funchess was. And, you know, maybe Paris Campbell can finally make a big play or two as well. We didn't see a whole lot out of him 
uh, last Sunday. So if the Colts can limit big plays on defense and make a few splash plays on offense, I think that's going to be what swings the game. And, and one thing we need to touch on, the fact is Funches is gone. Mm-hmm. He, he's out for eight weeks, IR with that broken clavicle. And that opens up a spot a spot in the starting lineup. It opens up a spot early on, and, and it's got to be Deion Kane now. They want these receivers to be where they can move around and all this, but Campbell primarily is a slot guy. Chester Rogers primarily is a slot guy. So you're going to see Deion Kane, I think, step in to Funches' role. And I initially wasn't all that impressed by the Funches signing. I thought it was okay. Uh, probably the best free agent signing that they had since you know 2012, but it's a bad list with the Donnie Averys and Ryan Grants and all that. But that I think they're going to miss Funches. I really that, that fourth and three pass – on that last drive was massive. It was a great back shoulder, and he outfought the guy. Can Kane do that? He did earlier on that drive. So we're going to see more of Deion Kane. We may see more of Eric. How many, how many targets did Ebron have? Two? Three? So so there's going to be spots for that big-bodied receiver, whether it's receiver tight end, to be more involved. Initially, it's Kane. Maybe Eric Ebron gets more touches that way. Three targets for Ebron, two for Doyle, and one for Moali Cox. So there's certainly room to get. So, and, and that's what we say. I, I just think what we we sit here and try to say this is who this offense is, and the, Frank's going to just say, "You, th- you really think so? You think you got a grip on us?" And I think that's going to be the strength of this offense is from week to week. You know, you think, you know, they are who we, we thought they were. No, you really don't know who these guys are. I want to mention Zach Pascal before we move on to predictions because he's the wide receiver we haven't really brought up yet. And he actually outsnapped Deion Kane this last week out there on the field for the Colts. But he's out there. He, he can make catches. We saw last year him get open in particular. I believe it was against either the Titans or the – no, it might have been the Dolphins. It was one of the late-season games, which just made a great move to get open in the corner of the end zone for oh, a yeah, touchdown. Houston touchdown. Might have been Houston. Uh it was it was in it was a double Lucas move that where, they, yeah. where they, they said that's that was one of the great routes a guy has run. It was. So yeah, like he he's a very capable receiver himself and he's a tremendous blocker. I think it was somebody, whether it was Coach Reich or somebody else, made the point that like Pascal's block helped Marlon Mack score that two point conversion. Right. So like he he's in there for a very that's good That's where he said himself. I want I want my son to grow up to be like Pascal because he yeah. does everything right because he I know he's not gonna be an offensive lineman, mm-hmm. so this is the way you play football. And again, it's when you lose Funches, they, they at, at least they lost a player. I mean, he's a quality player, but it's a position where where they can absorb that for now. Right. The problem we've always seen is injuries seem, for whatever reason, they seem to hit a position. They just ravage a position. And last year it, it hit the receivers, and that's why they went out and got uh, Dontrell Inman mm-hmm. in October. So right now the, it, it, you, you can absorb the loss of a Funches. You just hate to lose a player in game one because I've just sort of always taken the approach that you're going to sort of lose somebody every game. I mean, it just that, that's what the league is. So you just first you hope it's not a, a front line player as bad as that sounds. You, you hope it's, you know, player number 52 or whatever. Mm-hmm. But th- they've got the depth at, at the receiver position to compensate for this. And again, I just think this is a great chance for Deion Kane to really step up and. Make a difference. I was going to say, we should mention Funches can come back after eight weeks. Right. He's placed on the IR. Yes. He might be able to make a late season return. Yes. Good point, Joe. Thank you. Uh, the way it is, it's, it's six, you're out six weeks, mm-hmm. then you get two weeks to practice, and then they can activate you if they want. So we'll see. We'll see how that clavicle heals. Same with the Jaguars, Nick Foles. Same injury week one. We'll get to him in a second. Let's do predictions first before we look around the AFC South. But um, Vegas has the Titans as a three-point favorite. The over-under for this game is something like 44-and-a-half. So they're predicting something like a 24-21 ball game. Entertainment purposes only. Exactly, for entertainment purposes only. So what else would it be for? This this is just for context, Mike. I don't know what you're taking. I'm taking Colts uh, 30-24. I just I just like like the way this offense plays, and I think the defense is going to be PO'd after playing the way they did. Mike says pound the over thirty to twenty. No, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to bet. I'm going to go Titan uh, twenty three seventeen. Hater. I know. I am. I am a hater. So I think the 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 streak is the streak ends this weekend in Nashville. Uh, two road games to start the year is tough. And I think Titans finally finally pull one over on the Colts and the Colts. Unfortunately, unless Andrew Luck. Starts unless Andrew Luck comes back, you'll change your mind, then won't you? Oh, I'll totally change my mind. Twelve and zero, Joe. 
I thought during that come that late comeback last week that I was going to be one and zero, and I was going to be the one guy on the podcast that picked the Colts to the win. It didn't work out that way. I am going to stick with the Colts. I'm going to say 27 to 21 Indianapolis. We need to keep track of this throughout the year. Well, uh, I'll keep track. Okay, all right. There you go. Good deal. <laughs> Good deal, Joe. I like that. So, all right. So you guys both are on the Colts. I'm on the Titans for this. We're week. homers and you're a hater. Exactly. I, I'm, I'm the hater. We can, haters name, we, we can name this homers and haters. I like it. I like it. I'll be a hater. That's fine. I, I, I can wear that mantle. That's cool. No worries. <laughs> Let's look around the AFC South before we wrap things up on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. The Titans are on top of the division right now, 1-0. They are the only team to win their Week 1 game. The Texans were darn close to getting a win uh, against New Orleans, but uh, lost a nail-biter because Drew Brees was Drew Brees. And, and because Romeo Cornell played two guys on the on the goal line yeah. when they needed a seven-yard completion. <sighs> Crazy. What are you doing? What, what what are you what are you doing for crying out loud? And then they cut the cornerback, right? Because you can't cut the coordinator. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we, we did you lo- stand for that game? No, I did not. That was a that was a, a fantastic final minute. Yeah. Fantastic. What we learned about Houston, they still can't protect Deshaun can't, Watson, and, and and Deshaun Watson won't protect Deshaun Watson. That too. Let, let, much like Andrew Luck in his early years, he would that, not. That protect was a himself. great. That was a great run and dive to the pylon. But at what risk? I just, I just, you're already getting pounded in the pocket. You're, you're lying, and then they, they, for optics purposes, they, they extend their center. I mean, wouldn't you wait a couple of days before you, after you're getting your quarterback hit on? But if if Deshaun Watson continues to play like that, he will not finish the season. He won't. You know, who's their back? I couldn't tell you who their backup is. Joe's gonna. I think it's AJ McCarron. Might be. Okay, that's 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 better than than some. But uh, that, that was just a crippling loss, and and again that they've they've got the star players. They got Watson, DeAndre Hopkins made some unbelievable plays. I still again I'll beat that drum. I, if I started a fantasy team or, or a franchise, he's my first receiver. With all due respects to T.Y. Hilton, T.Y. would be my second one. There you go. So there you go. <laughs> and you know it, it's funny how they they neutralized J.J. Watt, but that didn't still, do much at all. No, that's still a quality team, but. That's one. I think they feel like the Colts. That that's one. That, that was a gettable game. They let get away. I think Clowney really helped JJ Watt on that defensive line. It's gonna well, be a lot a, easier. Not easier. I use that term very loosely. Easier to block JJ Watt this year just because you don't have Clowney on the other side of the it's ball. It's amazing how when they get rid of Clowney, people said, "Ah, he he wasn't that good." That's total BS. He mm-hmm. he was an elite disruptor. And an elite run defender. Let's right. say that right off the bat. Sometimes people only look to sack numbers for defensive linemen and judge them completely by that. And Clowney was above, above, above average at, right. at guarding the run, playing right. the run. So um, so the te- Texans lose to the Saints. The Jaguars lose to Kansas City. I think going into week one, you'd think, yeah, the Jaguars are going to probably lose to Kansas City. And the uh, the Chiefs really tore through that defense, which I found a little bit surprising that they were able to do quite as much Maybe as they did. Maybe that offense is that good. It's quite and possible. And that's scary. And Tyreek Hill now is hurt, and Sammy Watkins scored three touchdowns for the Chiefs. And my goodness, they're just – that's Andy Reid in the regular season, man. He, he finds things, and he exploits things, and he's one of the best offensive offensive minds of his generation, if not the best, to be to be honest, in my opinion. But, so. the, but the big story to come out of it was that Nick Foles is, is out for – he's on IR, correct? Exactly, yes. So that's, so that's another eight weeks. Yep, just like exact same situation as Devin Funches. Broken right. collarbone. On injured reserve, can a lot potentially of return injuries. This yeah, that, yeah. Well, we just talked about three because Tyree Kills wasn't that a clavicle as well. I think that was his, it was his clavicle. I don't think it broke though. The heat, no surgery on, on no surgery IR. on him. Yeah, and right. w- without without looking at your sheet that you're looking at, do you know their backup? I wouldn't have when uh, before I saw him. I well, J- Joe raises his hand over here, but he he's got so much stuff in his head that it does. <laughs> you know, in, in three years, you're going to say, who the hell was Gardner Minshew? Mm-hmm. Washington State. In three, in three years, you're okay. not going to remember that. All right. And if you do, either he's really, really good or you just keep too much stuff in your head. I could never forget that mustache. <laughs> but, and he, he had a great he, – he finished up pretty good numbers, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he wasn't I mean, bad. Let's 20, look up his numbers specifically. of 30 for whatever. and He was not – yeah, he was not a scrub out there at all. Kansas City doesn't have the best defense in the league. Right. Let's be clear about that, but still. He was 22 of 25 for 275 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. That's Not a, bad for a rookie sixth-rounder. Then what I want to see is do it again. Yeah. I'm not sure who they've got this yeah. week. It's also, like, I'll, I'll make that point. It's the, the Chiefs were well ahead 
Right. So, A, they're not playing the toughest defense. They're playing further but, back. But it's 20, it, but it's still, 22 for that, that's tough. That's tough yards. in seven on seven. It is. Totally. And that's, that was the second point I was going to make. You made it for me. Good job, Mike. <laughs> we, we saw guys in, in the Colts camp that couldn't go 22 of 27. No, we, we did. Jaguars play Houston this week. Ooh. So, Ooh. Hey, Ooh. there it is. So that's an early, early indicator game for, for AFC South. So, again, what you want to do when you look at the South, this is, this is going to be – the champs going to be nine and they're going to be nine and seven probably they just again are, again. So that's why again you just can't. Here we are again. They're, they're looking at the culture, looking at their fourth or fifth zero and two start in five years. It would Four. be fourth in five years because I know there was one two years ago. I believe they won right. the second game. That's two just or three that's just ago. it. Just puts so much pressure. It'll you know the one in five last year. They got in by winning nine of their last ten. You left yourself with no room they for had, error, and they, they didn't They error. had to win nine yes. of ten. That does not happen often right? in the NFL. So, I, I again, I just that's part of why I'm thinking that they, they need I, – I, I've said from the start, come out of September 2-2. Two and two. Well, if you go 0-2, then you know, you got to beat Atlanta and, and Oakland at home before you go to KC. And Atlanta didn't look as good as I thought they were going to look week they one. They looked awful. They, they look terrible. They can't be that bad. No, they can't. Matt Ryan's not that bad. He's not going to have... His, He's his not Joe Flacco. Be no, no, we don't think so. Uh, Joe Flacco's bad. Joe Flacco. Oh, Joe. My God. He, he looked old and slow, which is a really two bad characteristics to have when you're a franchise quarterback. Our Chris Woodlick is uh, is a fan of the Denver Broncos. Grew Ooh. up that. And yeah, it's a, it's a rough day for him. I came in happy for uh, my hometown team, my Philadelphia Eagles, coming back in the second round, second half against the Redskins. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, baby. Deshaun Jackson is fan. I love it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that guy. Hey, you know, I'll, I'll point out something else here. Uh, a local kid from Indianapolis, Scary Terry McLaurin, who had a heck of a debut for the Washington Redskins. A cathedral own, uh, went to Ohio State. Um, caught seven balls for like 100 yards and a touchdown against the Eagles. And really, it should have been eight balls for almost 200 yards because there should have been like a 75-yard bomb. He was wide open, and uh, Case Keenum just missed him. So shout out to uh, to a local kid, Terry McLaurin, who's a really great guy, friend of the program on Fox 59, came on the red couch during our one of our sports overtime segments over the summer. Uh, really happy to see him get some success and happier to see my Eagles, of course, uh, overcome it uh, nevertheless. So, um, any more thoughts uh, on on the Colts this week before we wrap things up, guys? I think we no, did. again, we'll wrap it up where we started. Yeah. I, I I sort of think Adam Vinatieri gets it fixed, and because I think he, he he will enjoy coming in the locker room next Wednesday, saying, like you said, "What do you think of me now, guys?" So, uh, but again, I, I think of the alternative, and if he has another bad game, it's gonna be a tough week next week. So this is the Colts Blue Zone podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Follow me at Dave G underscore sports. Mike Chappell is at mchapel 51 Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. Make sure you subscribe so you can get this delivered to your podcast listening device week after week. And we will see you next time after the Colts take on the Tennessee Titans this Sunday broadcast on CBS4. This is the Colts Blue Zone podcast. 